is overheating because it's that much fire. It's so good. I'm just touch your neighbor and say, so good. Touch your other neighbor and say, it's kind of good. Now touch your other neighbor and say, it's really good. Awesome, awesome. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark 4, verse 35 and 41. If you don't have your Bible, I hope you have your phone because, I mean, that's kind of high schooler 101. If your phone is dead, that means you need to upgrade to the new iPhone. I, I can't. I don't know your mom. All right, Mark 4:35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, him being Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, which means a storm, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Tonight's sermon is titled, Asleep in the Stern. Touch your neighbor say, asleep. Just that, asleep. Touch your neighbor say, asleep. Now touch your other neighbor say, in the stern. That's another word for a boat. Not a big boat. Little boat. All right, can we pray real quick? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and who you're becoming to us. Uh, Father, we thank you that you're more real than the storm that is going around us. Uh, Father, you're more real than political turmoil. You're more real than uh, rumors of wars and wars and, and racism and all these other things that are going on in our lives. I thank you that you're more real to us than anything that would try to come against us. So, Father, we just stand on that. We stand on your word. We thank you that it is true and it can be trusted. And, Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in, through, and among our lives. Let, o, uh, let Odell Beckham Jr. score 40 points for my fantasy team tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had a day? Have you ever had a day? You know, like one of those days? Like where, like, you go to school or you go to, like, whatever you do, and you're like, man, like, I can't wait to get back to my safe haven, to the only thing that's ever loved me, to the true and tried uh, refuge that I have, my bed. Have you ever had one of those days where you just want to get to your bed as quick as possible? For some of you, that's like, yeah, that's, that's me every day, Corey. Uh, actually, today, yesterday, tomorrow, forevermore, uh, I just want to be in my bed. Like, how many of you would like, if you could just lay in your bed forever, raise your hand if you could just, well, but it won't be your bed, it'll be your coffin. When I was in Bible school, for, for the record, I did go to Bible school. I kind of know what I'm talking about sometimes. When I was in Bible school, I had a crazy day. I woke up at six, no, three in the morning, three in the morning, me, Hunter Elliott, and Deborah Mwanakese, she's from Nigeria, got into a car and we had to go drop her off at the airport. So we drive to the airport, drop her off, and then we're on our way back, and it is approximately six in the morning. It's six in the morning. I take an hour nap, I shower, I like fix my hair, because you gotta do that. Brush your teeth, because of course you gotta do that. If you want friends, brush your teeth, please. I brush my teeth, I shower, I sleep for like an hour, I do all these things, and then I get ready and I have to dress in a three-piece suit, slacks, 
uh, button-down shirt with a with a with a uh, vest and a jacket on, and I have to go MC a service that started at like eight. So I wake up at seven. I'm at the service by seven thirty because I have to be there early. I MC the service in front of two hundred plus of my classmates, and then I have to sit through another two-hour seminar with a dude just talking about random stuff. So then after that, I go eat lunch, and then. I go and we have a camp coming in because it's a campground and so like little kids are coming to experience Jesus and it's really cool, like it's really emotional uh, when they do, but like I'm tired, I'm done. I'm done with the day, I wanna go to bed. But no, we have a camp coming in. So I have to go to work. So I get done with a two hour seminar and lunch and I go back to my dorm room and I change into like, like basically what I'm wearing now and I have to go for the next, see that'd be about noon, one o'clock, so I have to do the next 10 hours, I have to work. So I'm unclogging toilets, which is disgusting. I'm like cleaning uh, bathroom stalls, I'm vacuuming, I'm like, uh, 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 what's it called, leaf blowing the sidewalk? Like things I've never had to do in my life. You're like, Corey, you're, you're like, this is really weird, like why are you bringing this up? Because when I was doing all those things, what I wanted to do was get back to my bed, I just wanted to sleep. It was one of those days, I was like, I'm tired, this, this stinks, I just want to go to sleep. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? But I get done with all these things, I get back to my bed, and I'm like, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Like, this has been a terrible day. There's been 14 clogged toilets, I've had to leaf blow a sidewalk, I've had to clean stuff, this, this stinks. I'm going to do manual labor, like, this is not for me. Oh no, like I'm having to do stuff. Ugh. So I get done with all that, I get to my dorm room, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I get to sleep finally. I get to like have a moment and just sleep. So I get like in my bed and I like pull my covers on me and I'm like, thank you, God. Is that you? No, I'm joking. It's just lights. So I get to my bed, I finally lay down, and guess what? Nobody else in my dorm room wants to sleep. So it's one o'clock in the morning. I've got six other dudes in my dorm room making all kinds of noise, and I just want to go to sleep. I'm th this is my breaking point. Bringing it up gets me a little emotional, guys, because I just wanted to sleep. This is ridiculous. Everybody just go to sleep. It should be a normal human thing at one in the morning to go. I'm getting really fired up about this because it's bringing up emotions because back then I was so mad at those dudes. I was like, I just want to sleep. Everybody just shut up. Like, let me sleep. Ugh. Ugh. So I finally get done and I go to sleep. And you're like, Corey, why are you bringing this up? Because I'm really like ticked about it. I just want to vent to you. No, I'm joking. In this story, Jesus has been preaching and teaching from the edge of a boat. Was it a big boat? No, it was a little boat. He's preaching and teaching from the edge of this boat. I can, I can hear you talking, by the way. I can like totally hear you talking. He's preaching and teaching from the edge of this boat for approximately 10 to 12 hours. Standing and talking for 10 to 12 hours. Now, was it like, he wasn't unclogging toilets because, I mean, I guess Jesus would do that, but not in this part of the Bible. But at this point, I can imagine Jesus wants, just wants to catch some Z's. He just wants to sleep. But no, the disciples are freaking out because there's a storm. 
And they wake him up. Now, if I was Jesus, I'd have kicked him off the boat. I'd have... If y'all are freaking out, y'all can freak out in another boat, but I'm asleep in mine. I can imagine Jesus just wants to catch some, some Z's. He teaches all day using parables for about uh, 10 to 12 hours. And he says, okay, I'm done, let's go, chunk deuce, I'm gone, we're going to the other side. He was preaching from a lake, so here's what it had been, here's how it would have gone. He was preaching, here, I'm going to... So he's preaching, he's like standing on the edge of this boat, like, yeah, the kingdom's coming. Yeah, awesome. And he's like, all right, guys, chunk deuce. And so they sail away, like in the ocean. They sail away. And like he's supposed to get to this side. So he's at that side, he's supposed to get to this side. But when he leaves, a storm starts. Isn't it always when you're trying to get somewhere, a storm starts? Ooh, that's a good word. No, it's not. These are professional fishermen, and they're freaking out. They're scared to death, death, and they wake up Jesus, who is conveniently sleeping in the middle of their storm. He gets up. He tells the storm to be quiet. Here's how I imagine. He's like, yes, whatever. Storm, like, chill out, bro. And it stops, and he's like, why do I have no faith? And he just, like, walks off and then goes back to sleep. You know how it is when, like, you wake up in the middle of your night? You're like, ah, let me go, like, get some water. And then, like, you knock out as soon as you get back. That's how I imagine it was for Jesus. Whose decision was it to go to the other side? Who made the decision that said, we've got to go, we're not cool here, we've got to go, we've got to get to the other side? Who made the decision? Jesus. He said, guys, we've got to go, I'm chunking deuce, we've got to get to the other side. Now, on this particular part of Israel at this time, this was, the, this was the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. They just call it the Sea of Galilee. And what happens is it, it is, it is beside two hills. So you have hill, Sea of Galilee, hill. And what fishermen knew at that time was when the sun went down, the winds picked up. When the sun would go down, the winds would pick up and then there would be a storm. So I can imagine when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we're going to the other side, they know that it's evening, and they say, hey, uh, Jesus, you, like, hey, uh, whenever the sun goes down, you know, like, you kind of, like, he kind of created the earth, so, like, he probably did know. So he's like, hey, uh, when the sun goes down, uh, the winds pick up, Jesus, are you sure you want to go to the other side? He's like, yeah, I want to go to the other side. So I can imagine that the disciples are freaking out. They're probably ticked, honestly, because they were human. And Peter's cussing. I can imagine that's what's going on. They knew the storm was coming. The storm wasn't a surprise to the disciples, and it wasn't a surprise to Jesus either. It's crazy to think that when you follow Jesus, you might follow him into some storms. When you follow Jesus, things aren't always going to be uh, a one day one, fam. When you follow Jesus, you're not always going to have a smooth sailing adventure. When you follow Jesus, he might just take you into a storm. Why? It's not because he wants to cause you pain. It's because the other side is worth the storm. 
The other side that he has for you is worth the storm that he's bringing you through. The fact is that God will lead you to and through storms, not to see you go through storms for the kick of it. You keep going in Mark chapter 5, and when he gets to the other side where he was going, there's a demon-possessed man who's cutting himself in a cemetery, and nobody can hold him back. Jesus comes, heals him. The dude wants to get in Jesus' boat and go with Jesus. He said, no, preach to the Decapolis, which is the ten cities that he was around. The dude goes and preaches to the ten cities. Jesus leaves. He comes back, and that dude has started a revival in ten cities. Is it possible that the going through your storm can cause a revival in ten cities? Because what would have happened if Jesus said, hey, no, we're not going to go to the other side. There's going to be a storm. He would have deprived that man from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of himself, the gospel that can save, the gospel that can empower you. And that revival that started in 10 cities would have never happened. I wonder if there are young people and old people all over the world that have, that have quenched the flame of revival because they would rather take an easy way out than go through the storm with Jesus. I wonder if there's nations left on the table because young people and old people, generations alike, said, I would, I would rather not go through the storm than see revival happen. I would rather take the easy way out than go through the storm with Jesus and see something happen. When I was in Bible school, uh, I had a long board. For those of you that don't know, that's a board. It's pretty long. But um. I had a longboard, and so what you, what you do on a longboard, it's like a skateboard, but it's longer. I'm not going to go into detail. And I would use it to get to different places on campus. And what I realized whenever I was riding the longboard, that is, if I was going somewhere fast with zero effort, I was going downhill. If I was going somewhere fast with zero effort on my part, I was going downhill. It takes no effort whatsoever to throw your life away and just go through the life, just go through life numb, passive, and disillusioned to the world around you. And in fact, some people would rather go through life numb and passive because then they don't have to deal with anything that they just, they just exist in a world that they're secondary to. More people in this world uh, today would rather live life numb, passive, disillusion, whatever, I don't care, just do whatever, and not have to deal with the pain and the rejection and the hurt that would come from putting themselves out there, then actually take the chance and go through the storm. We just exist in a world that we offer nothing to, and the only joy and satisfaction we get is from momentary escapism. It's through momentary, uh, uh, get me uh, not thinking about this world, get me not thinking about my current situation, get me not thinking about what's going on in my family, get me not thinking what's going on around me because I'm numb and passive and I don't, I don't want to think about it. That's why people go around with headphones in their ears 24-7 because I would rather just listen to music about how I want to feel than actually do something about where I'm at right now and get to where I want to be. That's good. You can clap. We're not that kind of church. I promise. I won't look at you weird if you clap. That's why we have such a drug and alcohol abuse problem. It's because we were sold a nine to five American dream that turned out to be a nightmare. And now adults have been conditioned to live numb, passive lives. And the only joy and escape I have from this terrible life is through a needle pipe or bottle. The only joy I get in my life isn't from doing something in my life. It's from getting away from it. 
See, no one ever grows up wanting to do drugs or drink alcohol to excess or smoke every day. I was in D.A.R.E. Do y'all still have D.A.R.E.? Does that age me? How many of y'all had D.A.R.E., like the D.A.R.E. program in your schools? Okay, when you went through the D.A.R.E. program, you're like, no, officer, I'm going to do drugs. <laughs> when Red Ribbon Week comes up, is everybody like, no, I'm not going to wear the Red Ribbon. I'm doing drugs. No, you don't do that. Nobody makes a conscious decision to say, no, I forget all that. I'm going to do drugs. I don't care. But when life got tough and people were faced with the choice of going through another storm or living a meaningless life filled with drugs and alcohol and never know true joy but never have to go through a struggle in the name of God, we picked the easy way out. Instead of actually facing my problems, I just put a needle in them. Instead of actually facing my problems, I just empty another bottle. Why? Because I don't want to face the storm. I just want to get away from it. I don't want to face what's going on in my life. I just want to escape from it. Here's this big fad right now, escape rooms. Have y'all seen those? Is that not cool? I think it's cool. When life got tough and people were faced with the choice of going through another storm or living a meaningless life filled with drugs and alcohol and never know true joy but never have to go through a struggle in the name of God, we picked the easy way out. Because I'd rather stay away from the storm today and take my chances later down the road. I'd rather stay away from the storm that I'm dealing with right now and take my chances on down the road than deal with what's going on right now and get to the other side. I'd rather live my life forever here than face the storm and get there. The storm, though, isn't always the worst thing to happen to a boat out on the sea. Sometimes when nothing happens, it's just as detrimental. When your life's going nowhere and you feel stuck in a school, a friend group, an activity, a state of mind, you keep making the same mistake over and 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 over again, it's easy to blame Jesus and say, I follow you, Jesus, but nothing's changing. Why do I do it? You want to know why most people quit their job? It's because they don't feel like they're having an actual impact on the world around them. And so it's not because I'm having to work hard. It's because I feel like I'm working towards nothing. And if I'm working towards nothing, not working towards, it's going to get just as much accomplished. You want to you know why most people don't follow Jesus? It's because they don't think, it's not that they don't think he's real. It's that they don't think he has a real impact on their everyday life. It's that they don't know how to measure what following Jesus looks like. They say, oh, don't cuss. That's great. How many people have you made smile today? Oh, well, I don't drink. Well, what have you done to further the kingdom today? We've got wrapped up in I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that, that we never got to the doing part of Christianity. We never got to the part where we get to actually do something. And if I just come and tell you what you can do, you're not going to do it, if that makes sense. You want to know how you keep from becoming stuck in life? You begin to live on a mission. You didn't have to tell Jesus not to stay in one place. He was already going when you told him. Why? Because he knew he had three and a half years to make a difference. He knew that he had three and a half years after he got baptized and started his public ministry. That was his time to make a difference. You want to know how you stop from becoming stuck in life and complacent in what you're doing? You live life on a mission. You begin to take this finite life you've been given, this blip on a radar, this, this vapor in the wind. Smoke in the wind. Is that how it goes? I don't know. 
He couldn't become complacent and stationary because he knew he had something to do. He knew he had a job to do and he was on a mission. And the mission he had was the one dude on the other side. You wanna know how you become a, 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 let me figure out how to say this. A productive Jesus follower? You find somebody that's on the other side and you go to them. You wanna know how you become, don't, you, you don't become stuck in Christianity? You find a reason to do something every day and you do it. I don't read my Bible to come up with, with more sermons. I don't, I don't follow Jesus just so I can get more Instagram followers. There's easier way to, ways to do that. I don't follow Jesus to become some pseudo-celebrity. We live in a town of 15,000 people. If that's the biggest celebrity status I can get, I'm not shooting very high. Let's be real. I'm not doing this to become hometown famous. I'm not doing this so I can go back to my high school reunion and look, and look at everybody and look down on them and show them how big and bad I am and how cool I am because I get to hold a stinking mic. I can hold a stinking mic any day of my life. I'll go buy one. I'm not doing this to up my Instagram followers, to up my Twitter followers. I'm doing this because I've been given a mission to proclaim the gospel to young people everywhere and show them that Jesus is relevant to their life, he's real, and he is relatable to them, and he has a plan and a destiny for them. And if they'll grab hold on to that, they'll change not only their lives, their families, their communities, and everybody they come in contact with. That's why I do this. I think it's important to not only know why we go through storms, but what to do while you're going through a storm. Because most people focus on two parts of the storm, the start and the end, and nobody tells you what to do in the middle. Oh, brother, I'm in a storm. All right, just, just praise God till you get to the other side. No, what do I do right now? I need help. I need practical help. I'm dealing with this. Do something. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern Sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, the boats in those times were a little different than we would imagine a boat. Uh, Damon and Slade, can y'all, can y'all run to the kitchen and grab that boat for me? Little boat. Little boat. The stern that Jesus would have been sleeping in wouldn't have been sent some other part. When I thought boat, when I first read the Bible, I thought yacht. Because I'm like, Jesus ain't traveling in no, like, rinky-dink boat. Like, Jesus is yachting it up, and this ain't no little yacht. I'm telling you that much right now. Can you, yeah, just, just bring it right up here. So, yes, actually. For those of you that don't know, I, I like to kayak. So, for scale, this wouldn't have been the kind of boat they had. But this would have been kind of similar. So Jake, can you come like sit right here? So while they had 13 people, the 12 disciples and Jesus, I'm gonna put about four and see if we can get somebody to fall asleep. Let's go Bryson, CJ. Y'all get up there in the front. In the front, right up there. Right there, yeah. Messiah, can you come help me? Can you like sit back here? Am I? Okay, now if you could like try and like fall asleep on a cushion. Yeah, go ahead. Now it didn't say that there was calm seas. There was a, 
Can I get some stronger people? I only got one arm. I only got one arm. Grab that, grab that uh, handle right there. Grab that handle right there. Y'all just give him a little rock. Now somebody try and fall asleep. Now keep rocking it, keep rocking it. Can I get another strong person up there? Can I get another strong person up there? Anybody strong? Anybody strong? No, 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 keep going, keep going. Now the waves were rocking. And you know, there might have been a little splash of waves. There might have been a little, the waves kind of might have been, uh, the waves might have been getting. Now who, okay, now who in here thinks they can fall asleep? All right, y'all can hop out, y'all can hop out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Easy on my kayak, son. Easy on my kayak. Yeah, you can pull it over there. Everybody give a hand for the SS Little Boat. There is no doubt in my mind that Jesus is feeling the effects of the storm. There is no doubt in my mind, everybody in that boat felt the effects of the storm. Jesus is not removed from your pain. He is in your boat, and that does not mean he is in a separate section in your boat. That means he is right there in your boat, feeling the waves, feeling the water, and actually feeling what you're feeling right now. He is a great high priest that can sympathize with you. He is not so far removed from your problems that he doesn't know what you're going through. There is no doubt that Jesus is feeling the effects of the storm as all the disciples are as well. And I'm sure this was insanely confusing and frustrating to the disciples. Like, how does somebody sleep through a storm? I can barely sleep through a thunderstorm in my bed. Like, with a roof and walls and AC. Thank you, Jesus. I can't blame the disciples, though. Most people will read this message and say they blame the disciples for not having faith in Jesus and his plan for him. Heck no, I'm not believing in his plan for me right there. I'm feeling some tension. I'm feeling some problems. There's waves. I might crash and die. I might drown. There's stuff going around uh, in my life that isn't lining up to his plan, and I don't know how I feel about that right now. So excuse me for not having faith in Jesus. When I look to Jesus for some help sometime, it feels like he's falling asleep on the job. Does it ever feel like you're in the middle of a storm in your life and Jesus isn't doing anything to help and it feels like he took the day off? Nobody? All right, man, that's just me. Sometimes the biggest step of faith in your life isn't a step. Maybe it's a nap. Sometimes the biggest step of faith in your life in the storm you're going through isn't to do all you can to get out of it. It's to find peace in Jesus in the middle of it. Oh, you want me to say it again? Sometimes the biggest step of faith when you're in the middle of a storm isn't doing everything you can to get out of it. It's having peace in Jesus while you're in it. Because what you'll find is one of two things. It's either one of two things. If, you do, if you're in a storm right now and you're doing everything you can to get out of it, there's two outcomes that happen. Everybody say number one. You'll make it out of the storm on your own and then you'll think Jesus doesn't do anything at all. You'll make it out of the storm by yourself and then wonder why you need Jesus at all. 
You don't have to repeat. This isn't. All right, let's try this again. Nobody repeat it, just listen. If you do everything you can to get out of a storm by yourself, there's two outcomes that will happen. You'll make it out of the storm on your own, and then you'll think you don't need Jesus at all. If you give Jesus no room to work in your life and then complain why he's not doing anything, you've missed the point entirely. Having faith in Jesus isn't doing everything you can to get out of the storm. It's sometimes realizing that even though you can do everything to get out of the storm, you might need Jesus to do it for you. This does not mean you become lazy in your walk. This means that when you do this in the middle of a small storm, when you get to a big storm that you can't handle by yourself, you'll already be experienced on how to overcome it. Second outcome. Everybody say number two. Hook them horns. Or you'll sink and wonder why you believe in Jesus if he didn't save you from sinking. So either you work yourself out of the storm and wonder why you need Jesus, or the storm will get you and you'll wonder what Jesus was doing in the first place. Both outcomes are doubting Jesus and his goodness. Do you see why this is so detrimental? Because either way you do it, you're doubting Jesus and his goodness for you. When you're in the middle of the storm and everything you're trying to do to help isn't doing anything at all and you look to Jesus and he's asleep on a cushion, instead of getting mad at God and saying, you don't even care about me, or you just think, uh, I'm nothing to the kingdom of God and you can do this all by yourself, and why are you asleep in a cushion, Jesus? Maybe you might want to look at what Jesus is doing and do that. Maybe you should just take a nap. Maybe you should just find some rest in Jesus instead of fighting your way through the storm and tiring yourself out and giving up. Maybe you take a break and find some rest in Jesus because that's what he's doing. We must always base our response on what Jesus is doing and not what we would think would help the most. Because sometimes we don't see the big picture, and what we think would help the most isn't going to help at all. Now, Jesus gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, but he doesn't rebuke the disciples. This is very important. He gets up, he rebukes the wind and the waves, but he doesn't rebuke the disciples. Why? Because he loves the disciples. Rebukes are harsh, but correction is love. If I love someone, I'm going to correct them. Now, if I don't care about them... I'm not going to correct them because what's the point? If I love someone, I will correct them. That is a core value of love. So many people are scared to truly follow Jesus and live by faith because they're afraid that when they do something wrong, Jesus will get mad at them and rebuke them, but that's not Jesus. Jesus corrects. You're not in trouble. You're in training. Trouble means you'll never get to where you're going. Training means I have a plan and I have a purpose for you, and I believe enough in you that I can get you to where you're going. He said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And a storm is only scary when you're going through it. I can look at Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Jose and Hurricane uh, whatever they got going on, Harvey too. Sorry. We love you, Houston. 
I can look at those storms from here and not be afraid. Why? Because it doesn't affect me. A storm is only scary when you're going through it. I have people in my life, I hope you do too, not these kind of people, but like people in general. I have people in my life that will like hit me up and they'll be like, Corey, uh, pray for me, bro. I'm going through this thing. I don't know what to do, man. I'm scared. Uh, does God even care? Yo, bro, I don't know like what's going on. I'm probably not going to make it. I might go to jail. Like I messed up, bro. Like, pray, please pray for me. And then two hours later, two days later, depending on the severity of the storm, two weeks later, I'll see them post on like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, LinkedIn, uh, the, the TBH one y'all got now, Sarahaha. They'll post this, man, God is so good. I knew he was with me the whole time. I never doubted. Y'all stay prayed up. Hashtag never doubted. Hashtag put your faith in God. Hashtag system crazy. Hashtag going through some things. Hashtag went through some things. Hashtag God got me through. Y'all got people in your life like that? Don't call them out. Don't point at them either. But that's not what you were saying in the middle of the storm. You weren't saying hashtag God got me through when you were in the middle of the storm. That's not what you're saying when she said she was pregnant. That's not what you said when you didn't think you were going to get into college. Then that's not what you said when you were broke. You weren't saying God got me through when you didn't have a penny in your pocket. And is it so much that the storm is going to kill us? Or is it so much that we think the storm is going to kill us? Is it so much that we think the storm is that bad? Is the storm that bad or is it just that we've magnified it in our head? You know, y'all know how it is, like, uh, say you, like, meet somebody, and you be like, what's up, Lamadric, man, how you doing? So stupid, I shouldn't have said that. See, think I am. What's up, Lamadric? Was it that, that was that bad or is that, I think it's that bad? Did I make myself a fool or did I think myself a fool? Is it so much that the storm is going to kill us or is it so much that we think the storm is going to kill us? You really think God brought you all this way just to take you out now? You really think you've gone through the things that you've gone through just to give up now? You really think the storms that you've been through are, are so big compared to this one that God's just going to let you go? God is not Donald Trump. He won't tell you you're fired. I can promise you. You think God healed you just to be taken out by this? You really think God was just messing around and seeing how long you could survive? You really think that? You really think this storm is big enough to take you out? No. God didn't get you this far just to give up on you, and he didn't come this far to give up on you either. God didn't get you this far just to give up on you, and you didn't get this far just to give up on yourself either. The storm that you might be going through is nothing compared to the God that got you through, and it's nothing compared to the Holy Spirit inside you that is getting you through day in and day out. It is nothing compared to that. I believe that God wants to, he wants to calm your storm 
Believe me, God wants to calm your storm. But more than that, he wants to give you rest in the storm. He wants to give you peace in the storm. Because if you get through the storm and you're worse off than where you started, then what was the storm to begin with? He doesn't want to see you just go through the storm. He wants to see you grow through the storm. It's not so much that he wants you to go through trials and tribulations and all these things and hurt and anger and this and that and yada, yada, yada. He wants to see you become the person he's always destined you to be. And sometimes the only way to get through something and get to somewhere is to go to the other side, through the storm, and through the worst situations. If there was any way to live a pain-free life, I would be the first to sign up. I have a saying, I stole it from Judah Smith. He stole it from his dad, which Judah Smith is my dad, but that'd be dope. <laughs> Judah Smith says, no pain, no pain. No pain, no pain. Say it with me, no pain, no pain. Michaela, can you, can you like plug your ears real quick? Plug, yeah. I don't make any more appointments at the dentist. Why? Because no pain? No pain? No pain. What, what am I going to pay somebody to stab me in the gums while I'm bleeding and tell me, oh, you don't floss enough? And then I got to go out to the receptionist desk and like smile and make another appointment. Meanwhile, it looks like I just took a bit, bite out of a cow. I got, I'm bleeding from my teeth. No. But if there was a way, and if the, I'm telling you right now, if there was a verse in the Bible that allowed me to pre preach a pain-free gospel, I would preach it every day of my life. Why? Because no pain, no pain. But the truth is that if you're going to get where God has called you to be, you might go through a storm. In fact, I'm going to say you will go through a storm. And most people try to tell you, oh, you can just live for God and it's going to be perfect and awesome. And yeah, yeah. yes, it's going to be awesome. Yes, there's going to be fun. There's going to be times of joy, but there's also going to be times of mourning. There's also going to be times where you question why you even do this to begin with. There's going to be times in your life where you have to look at God and say, I don't care what happens. I don't care who leaves. I don't care who comes. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I lose my money. I don't care if I lose my house. I don't care if I lose my friends. I just want you, God. And once you get to that point, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm not there yet, but that's where I want to be in life. I want to be so secure in my foundation in Jesus Christ that I can truly, truly say that it doesn't matter what comes and goes, I'm still going to be here. Yeah. If there's two people here on a Monday, I'm still going to be here. If this church up and leaves and plants somewhere else, I'm still going to be here. If my pastor leaves, I'm still going to be here. If everybody else leaves, I'm still going to be here. If we shrink to a church of 100 people, I'm still going to be here. If we shrink to a church of 50 people, I'm still going to be here. As long as your presence and your power is in this place, Jesus, you will find me here. Why? Because it doesn't matter who comes and who goes. I'm still going to be here. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I love y'all so much. Y'all are awesome. Touch your neighbor and say, I love you. Don't say it if you don't mean it.